0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The Future of My City project aims to connect students in the Ruhr area of Germany and the Rust Belt here in the United States. These areas have a lot lot in common. In many cases, they're trying to find their place in the post-industrial world. As part of the project, students from the University of Missouri-St. Louis traveled to Dortmund, Germany. The eighth largest German city was once a hub for coal, steel, and beer. But it's been working to adapt to a changing world. The St. Louis students got to see its revitalization efforts up close. And the paper they wrote tied for first place in the future of my city competition. That meant beating 18 groups from 13 universities. So joining us today to talk about it is Adam Brown. He's a graduate student at UMSL getting his master's in public policy. He's also a city planner for University City. Adam Brown, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: And we're joined by Liz Dykman. She's a political science doctoral student at UMSL. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Adam, your group's paper was called Clean Walls Equal Higher Rents, Gentrification Debates in Legacy Cities. What were you looking at specifically?
1: So we started off looking at neighborhood change and gentrification um, us in St. Louis and the German students in Dortmund, but we started finding that there was a a lot of uh, conversation about gentrification and not a lot of clarity about where it was happening, whether it was actually happening. Um, And so we became interested not only in the phenomenon of gentrification and and neighborhood change and finding out if it's happening, but also why people are talking about it so much. Mm
0: -hmm. And you chose five St. Louis neighborhoods to look at specifically. Tell us which ones and and why you picked those.
1: Sure. the five neighborhoods, actually Liz, you might be um, better suited to answer this.
0: Yeah, so the neighborhoods that we
2: chose were based on two two things. The first was looking at assessed property value. Um, that is a very common way to look at gentrification or neighborhood change in the academic literature. And we also looked at their stories. So each of, this, each of these neighborhoods are kind of a unique case study of different stories. Um, so for example, we looked at Forest Park Southeast, and that's our anchor institution story, because it's located so close to two major universities, Cortex, hospitals. Um, Benton Park was a historic tax district neighborhood. So we chose each based on that indicator as well as their story and
0: history. Um, Forest Park Southeast, for those who maybe just drive by to to have a drink in that neighborhood, that includes the Grove. Correct. Um, And then Benton Park and then Botanical Heights. Yes. Uh, That's the area formerly known as McCree Town. Yes,
2: which is why it earned the name our rebrand. Uh, story because it was formerly McCree Town and in the uh, early 2000s went through pretty transformational change in terms of many buildings being raised and then a major uh, effort towards building uh, new buildings but also new, uh, new population moving in.
0: And then you had two neighborhoods that from what you could tell in your research it sounds like haven't really seen change yet. Yes so those were really
2: important because As we look at um, the case studies of uh, each neighborhood, those are really unique in that they um, have the potential to change greatly in the future. So we did look at St. Louis Place and Jeff Vanderloo because they are very close to the NGA site. And while they haven't necessarily experienced the same sort of neighborhood change we've seen in those other three neighborhoods we just discussed, the potential is very real.
0: Now, for those of you who are listening at home, we're wondering, have you seen these changes in your neighborhoods, and how do you feel about them? You can join the conversation. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or send us a tweet at STL on air, or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. So, Adam, you're looking at how people in these neighborhoods talk about gentrification. Um, Was that something that was different in, in Dortmund, Germany, versus in St. Louis?
1: Uh, we actually uh, turned out that there was a lot of similarities. And and there's two sides to the conversation, I think, uh, in in a simple way. But uh, one side is sort of the academic conversation about gentrification, whether it's happening based on statistics about, for example, rising home values, rising rents, etc. And then there's the other side of the conversation, which we were very interested in, which is more um, how people feel about their neighborhood changing and a lot of times uh, what we found is that people are using the word gentrification to describe a, a fear of, of change that may not benefit um, long time residents. So in Dortmund, uh, these neighborhoods that uh, our colleagues studied over there were uh, heavily immigrant, um, lower income neighborhoods where uh, the, the city is getting ready, ready to do some de- redevelopment. And so there is a fear there. And similarly in the NGA neighborhoods, Uh, because of this big project coming in, there's a lot of uh, conversation and and fear about uh, what's happening, how our neighborhood's going to change, is it going to benefit us, are are we going to be pushed out, uh, those kind of things.
2: And I just want to add that I think what is one of the things that makes our report a little unique is that really um, here the quantitative data is secondary or in service to the qualitative data. While we are interested in understanding uh, the change that's happening in neighborhoods from a quantitative data standpoint. Ultimately, what is most important to us is how people perceive these changes, um, and you know, understanding the difference between what we understand in terms of quantitative data and qualitative data. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know you guys are looking at um, the idea of people are talking about gentrification, but at the same time, some of the people that you talk to kind of push back on that a little bit. They're saying these were neighborhoods that had been doing well. They fell on hard times. In some ways, they're just getting back to where they were originally. Well, I think that's also really neat to St. Louis.
2: You know, ultimately, the city um, maybe faces bigger challenges from disinvestment and depopulation. Uh, So when we start to talk about neighborhood change, it really depends on the context, I think,
0: of the neighborhood and the residents of how that change is perceived. So yeah, in this paper, I thought one of the most interesting parts of it is you talked about how some neighborhoods had maybe handled these changes better than others in terms of how involved people felt in the process, in terms of the displacement. Talk a little bit about what you found?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting part of the the qualitative side of the research, which basically consisted of interviews um, with people we were calling thought leaders, um, who were practitioners or um, you know working in nonprofits, academics. Um, but we also did street interviews. We did a resident focus group in the NGA area, and one of the things was we we got no consensus on what gentrification was or where it was happening or not happening. None. Um, pretty much across the board, it was different stories from different people in, in every neighborhood. Um, but, but a consistent theme was that, uh, uh, there's a recognition that for development to happen in a positive way for a neighborhood, there there needs to be more inclusive processes. And I think this is a, a common discussion in community development work today, um, especially in the St. Louis region from my experience. And and so uh, I think some of the neighborhoods that maybe um, didn't do such a good job of including residents in the process, that change has been seen in more of a negative light by by more people affected by it. Whereas if, if uh, people are brought into the process from the beginning and feel like they genuinely have a say in it, um, the the outcome can be more positive in the, in the view of the outcome um, for, for residents. And one of my favorite quotes from one of the thought leaders was um, Inclusivity is is subjective. If if a process feels inclusive, then it probably is inclusive, mm-hmm. and so the best judge of that it can't be you know found by data. It can be found by how people react to the actual change.
0: And you seem to point to the idea of botanical heights as one where people felt like this had not been handled in a way that was good.
1: Yeah, we heard. <laughs> um, yeah, some that was that was one where I think we heard some of the most negative comments about. About how it was handled and, and whether it was, uh, you know, sensitive to uh, the residents who were there and and what they might have wanted to to happen.
0: So there's a, this agreement that it should there should be more resident inclusion, there should be more equitable processes. Who should be taking the lead on making sure that happens? I think this is a really interesting conversation that we get to have with our counterparts
2: from Germany, um, because they have a much different uh, government system, and so some of the. Uh, ways in which they are able to, um, I think that they can help uh, stop or kind of reconcile um, change in neighborhoods as they have a very really strong federal government system. Hmm. And that's in place.
0: And it seems impossible to imagine our federal government getting involved and saying, okay, we want to make sure that development in St. Louis looks inclusive. But is it something where maybe City Hall could take that leadership? Um, yeah, I, that certainly seems like a good
2: a good solution. Um, again, this is where we have an interesting conversation with our uh, German research team, in that, you know, they, for example, I, have, I believe have something like 45 city planners. Uh, for their city, and we have substantially fewer here in St. Louis. Forty-five
0: so, just in Dortmund? Yes, I believe so. Wow. And Adam, you're working in, in city planning. How would that compare to what St. Louis has or even a place like University City where you work?
1: Yeah, well, um, in University City, we have two planners. I mean, we're a smaller community, and, and you know, I think that um, our municipal governments uh, face funding challenges um, and and there's not as much you know as many resources to put towards this an interesting thing when you're talking about um, you know government involvement I think you know I was talking with our professor Todd Swanstrom about he worked in the 70s in community development and there was a lot of attention on neighborhoods and there was a lot of federal money that was being directed directly to neighborhood organizations to try and build capacity and, and inclusion of those residents and that has since Dried up to to a large degree, Mm -hmm. Um, but so we've seen models of it in the U.S. in the past, and I think some more affluent cities and some more progressive cities like Seattle and Portland are actually building in policies that are that are meant to um, to include uh, residents who typically aren't included in the process. So I think there are there are still models out there, um, and but you know, seeing our German counterparts and how much uh, resources and funding there is for. for those processes, for example, uh, each of these neighborhoods that we visited that are potentially going to see development uh, have a government-paid position that's a, a liaison between the neighborhood and the government. Hmm. Um, so they recognize that need for clear communication, and they and they take you know active steps and put resources towards that.
0: In St. Louis Place and Jeff Vanderloo, which are getting this big NGA project, do you get the sense there's anybody who's uh, been tapped to play that role, or is that just not a part of of what you witness that's underhand?
1: There, you know, I I don't know, and and I one of our um, one of our co -co students, our colleagues, uh, is um, former teacher at Vashon High School, and, and he has a lot of thoughts about that. And we, he actually organized the, the community focus group that we did with residents of that area. And from the perspective we got from them, the answer was no, there was, there was not enough outreach and not enough inclusion. Um, I, I know that there are people working to do that kind of work, um, but I'm not as familiar with it. Yeah.
0: So in terms of um, this trip to Germany and the research project that you worked on, what's sort of the one thing that you're taking away from this that you feel like could be super helpful to St. Louis going forward? I think uh, one of the big takeaways
2: for me um, is probably the commonality. Um, You know, we face similar issues in the Rust Belt as the rural area does. And it was really interesting to be able to arrive at similar policy recommendations of addressing neighborhood change, uh, regardless of how different our government systems are, how different the neighborhoods are, et cetera. Um, and as Adam mentioned, there are a couple of things that I feel like are happening in Dortmund that I'm very interested in how they could translate to St. Louis. So you'll be continuing to keep an eye on those? Yes, definitely.
0: Adam, anything for you that's that's a different takeaway or an additional takeaway to what Liz has mentioned?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one of the striking things to me when we toured their neighborhoods, which were considered disinvested neighborhoods, um, the, the difference between those neighborhoods and the more affluent neighborhoods was a lot less striking than it is in St. Louis for me. Mm. And so, uh, and we were having a conversation about this th- this morning. Um, th- there's a lack of trust in the government in in the US and in, in St. Louis, and, and for good reason in some cases, I think, and, and, and people in, in Germany, there's this safety net of healthcare, free education. You know, you have a lot of things taken care of you Uh, taken care of for, you know, by the government for you. And so the disparity between wealth and the resources seems less there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really crucial to our challenges here is, is how do we, um, you know, kind of bridge that gap a little more, make sure that people have a a good baseline to start from, and then, you know, they can go from there.
2: I also want to add, I think that while I in I do know that there are racial and spatial segregations in St. Louis. This project certainly underlined that, and I think something that's very telling to me um, is that all of our rebound neighborhoods, as we call them—Forest Park Southeast, Bot- Botanical Heights, and Benton Park—are um, south in you know south in St. Louis. Um, when we look at St. Louis Place. And Jeff Vanderloo, those are north. And I, you know, that really, to me, um, started to speak to some of those disparities that we know exist, um, but are very important when we talk about place and how that matters at the neighborhood level. That ongoing
0: divide here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, Liz Dykman and Adam Brown of the University of Missouri-St. Louis, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you having for having us. us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.